Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. How's it going, Habs fans? Back with another episode of the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. And my name is Joseph Whalen. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. Uh, this is episode 51 of the Canadians Connection Podcast. And uh, I'm pleased to be joined, as always, by my co-host, the Francis Bouillon, to my uh, David DeHarnay, the editor-in-chief of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. How is, how's it going, Rick? How are you? I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. This is, uh, <laughs> we're right on the... the... Uh, it seems like we uh, might be having uh, some technical difficulties with, with Rick at the moment, um, but we're right there at the end of the preseason. It's a, it's a great time to be a, a Canadians fan, obviously. And uh, tonight, it, there's a lot of anticipation in the air as the season is, is looming. It's just around the corner. And two losses back-to-back against the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Canadians uh, looking to uh, right the ship uh, to end their preseason. Um, and, and we'll see how all that goes. But uh, before we go any further... I, I just feel it's it's appropriate to say you may have noticed that I usually say it's the Francis Bouillon edition or the Brian Savage edition of uh, the Canadians Connection podcast. I did not do that this week because uh, Guy Lafleur, as we all know, underwent a successful quadruple bypass surgery, and um, that was you know obviously great news to hear that it was successful, and um, you know we wish him a, a very speedy recovery to a Habs legend. And we say that this is the Gila Fleur edition of uh, the Canadians Connection podcast. So we also have a little bit of news regarding the Canadians captain, uh, Shea Weber, who won the Jean Beliveau trophy for his community involvement over the past year. Well, did I disappear for a minute? Uh, you, you did. And I wasn't I sure got- if... I got so excited. That, yeah, uh, I wasn't apparently sure. Apparently my internet just couldn't keep up um, <laughs> and uh, punted me out. Well, uh, so I was just uh, saying how Shea Weber won the uh, the Jean Beliveau trophy. And uh, that was a well uh, tremendous. We're, we're glad to have you back with us, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Got a little bit lost there for a second. But uh, as I mentioned, uh this is a, the great, this is the Gila Fleur edition of, of the Canadians Connection podcast, and uh, we wish him all the best. And as well, uh, a great congratulations to, uh, to Shea Weber on, on winning the Jean Beliveau trophy. And Gila Fleur, what a, what a story, um, you know, uh, what a fortunate story for Montreal legend Gila Fleur. He goes in, um, uh, the story goes that, that he was applying for his, his, uh, uh, the reissue of his helicopter license. So he had to go in for a standard medical and, and uh, his, his uh, family doctor said, Gee, you know, I'd like you to see a cardiac specialist. He does that a couple of days later and they see something they don't like in, in, in a blockage and they schedule him immediately the next day for 
uh, quadruple bypass and that's successful. And, and it sounds like uh, everything's going to work out well there. So uh, thankfully uh, that was uh, very fortuitously uh, that was caught and, uh, and he's back on the road to good health and, and we're happy to, yeah. to hear that. Absolutely. I uh, wish him all the best uh, in his recovery. Um, so moving on, we do have a lot to get to in this show. And now that we've gotten that little uh, tech, uh, tech, uh, technology issue out of the way, uh, we do have uh, some very interesting questions that we're going to be trying to answer in our second segment. We, uh, we asked some questions back a couple of episodes ago about what pressing issues face the Montreal Canadiens this year. Uh, we tried to tackle as many as we could. And I mean, at this point, we do have uh, a lot more answers to those questions, not complete answers, but we do have uh, some indications as to what those answers might be. So we're going to be getting to that in segment two. And one of those questions surrounds one Jonathan Drouin, and that is where we leave it up to you, the audience, to answer. Drouin has played five years 322 games played in the NHL. Will he fulfill his potential this season? So that is the question of the week. We've been getting some responses already. We're going to be getting to that later on in the show. But before we get there, we do have uh, quite a bit to get to. And Rick, uh, along with social media, we do have a pair of numbers that uh, we can be reached with. Well, we're a live show, uh, live every Saturday. You can join us on the air in our third segment um, you can call in to the studio. The studio number is 213-943-3754. That's 213-943-3754. Uh, and you can join us in the third segment. If you're listening to us on demand, which we're very grateful that uh, so many of you uh, do, uh, you can text us. Uh, and, and that's anytime, 24 hours a day. The Rocket Sports number is 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET. So, Rick... Going back a couple of days ago, uh, the Montreal Canadiens made their made some tr- made some cuts on their roster. They got rid of some guys: uh, Carl Alsner, Xavier Roulette, Matthew Pekka, Phil Veroni, and Dale Weiss. Um, any of those guys jump out at you? Killer. Um, um, well, it's it's funny because I don't uh, I don't think there's any debate on the fact that Xavier Roulette had a rough training camp and and. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, you know, he, he, uh, said he wanted to stay with the, the, the club, uh, he announced that in the summer, but uh, with big club and, and, but, uh, didn't do anything to get there. The others, um, you know, I don't think there's any surprise, uh, but maybe Carl Alsner and, and, um, you know, Carl Alsner is a favorite pincushion, favorite punching bag of, of the Montreal Canadians and sadly so. And I think, uh, largely that's been, uh, facilitated by, uh, by management in that uh, they've done nothing to, um, you know, kind of uh, 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 say good things about Carl Alsner. And, and we remember JJ Daniel and, and he didn't have a word to uh, word of, of, of anything nice to say about him. So he chose not to, and that was pretty indicative. And yeah. Um, and even Claude Julian, Carl Alsner in the two games he played looked good. And, and certainly, with some pretty bad performances by Willette to speak of uh, Mike Riley and Christian Folan. Um, uh, Carl Alsner was, was uh, played well. He looked more mobile and uh, uh, smart and, and, uh, and certainly he played well last year in, in Laval. Um, 
we have to remember that, that Carl Alsner had a very good camp last season, certainly much better than Jordy Ben, yet it was Jordy Ben that was chosen for the final roster. So um, it's clear that Claude Julien just doesn't appreciate having um, uh, Carl Alsner around. And, and, you know, if you needed any more convincing, it was after that, that uh, game this week where, where Alsner played well. And, and even his critics on social media said he played well. Uh, yeah. Claude Julien couldn't manage a good word and said, well, you know, he didn't play any worse than anybody else. Uh, which was 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 sad. It, 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 it was more reflective on on uh, uh, the the intransigence of the coach. You know, just closed mindedness of the coach. Um, that it was sad. I thought. Yeah, and I mean, Carl Alsner. It, it's understandable in the sense that yes, his first year was not good. He did not look good in his first year. But when you hear about what he went through. After last season ended, when he was sent down to Laval, and also not to not to diminish the fact that he had a had a very good relationship, according to to you and, and Amy Johnson, who covered Laval Rocket, he did a great job in mentoring uh, a Kale Fleury, who we think might be a, a part of the Canadians' opening night roster, and with good reason because he's looked very good. So there might be a reason to keep Carl Alsner around beyond the fact that he has actually looked better than Mike Riley. Then Christian Follin, and obviously then uh, looked better than Xavier Ouellette, who was sent down. Uh, but I mean, it just it, it doesn't make sense to me. And the fact that Carl Alsner plays the game that Claude Julian, you know, a little bit more physical, a guy that you can plug in there, and and you know that he's going to be a, a physical presence out there. I mean, perhaps not the puck moving defenseman, but we knew that when we signed him. So if he's going to be a guy that goes out there and throws his weight around and is just a solid positional player, then there's no issue with him being a seventh defenseman, perhaps a little bit overpaid. But again, that's not Carl Alsner's problem. That is the problem of the Montreal Canadiens front office. Carl Alsner looked good. There's, there's no other way to say it. He looked good in preseason. He lost eight pounds ahead of this season. And in spite of the fact that he was dealing with a little bit of an injury, he was able to get back out there and play as well as he did when nobody else particularly looked that good on the Canadians' blue line, with the exception of Shea Weber, which we've come to expect. So when you have Mike Riley and Christian Follin out there who are really not providing anything, and you see that Carl Alsner actually isn't doing all that bad, it makes you wonder what exactly is, is fueling these decisions? Is it, is it not a, a business decision or a personal decision rather than a hockey decision? And that's something that is being a little bit more, has become a little bit more frustrating as time has gone on where you feel like there might be guys that were given longer looks because it was a good business decision and guys that were cut because maybe Claude Julian, maybe the management doesn't like Carl Alsner. That's sad. And, That's sad because yeah, cause it's, it's, a sad indictment. It's, it's putting a player in um, – sorry to interrupt. It, it's just uh, yeah. we want to see players being put in a position to succeed. And, uh, um, and you know, if, if, um, if the intent was again and if this decision was made in the summer uh, not to use Carl Alsner, uh, again, if that decision was predetermined, then trade him. And, uh, yeah. you know, Bergevin seems to have difficulty trading uh, players um, 
for the value that's out there in in terms of it 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 will have a bad reflection on him he's not willing to take that that criticism and instead kind of punishes players and i i, I don't like to see it with a a really good guy and a guy who can play somewhere in the nhl uh like carl alsner yeah so it, it continues to be a uh an interesting storyline regarding Carl Alsner, and we'll have to see how it plays out. If at some point maybe he is a guy that gets called up if uh, some guys are underperforming on the blue line. So we do have a game tonight. It is the last game of the preseason for the Montreal Canadiens. It's always a, a fun time when that season is right around the corner. You reach that last game of the season, and, and you know that there are, there are auditions that are still ongoing to make uh, the opening night roster. And we have some answers to a pair of questions, which are, you know, in this game against Ottawa tonight, is Carey Price going to play? And is Ryan Paling going to play? And it looks as though they are both in the lineup tonight. Uh, so the Canadians tweeted out about an hour ago that uh, Carey Price is, is going to be the, the starting goaltender tonight. And uh, it looks like Ryan Paling is going to draw back in as there was a group of, of skaters that, uh, that were not going to be taking part in the game tonight, and that included Jonathan Drouin. Uh, and Paling was not a part of that group, so he is in tonight as well. So perhaps uh, the final audition for, for some Montreal Canadiens uh, rookies looking to make the team. And um, I guess it's a, it's a little concerning um, in that, um, you know, I, what what's, what is there to what is there to prove? Um, yeah. Uh, what is left to de- determine? What is left to evaluate in a Carey Price? <laughs> um, Carey yeah. Price had, um, uh, you know, the back of his hand uh, was bruised and and it swelled up a bit and happened in practice. And um, you know, does he really need to be in for the preseason game? Ryan Paling, um, his first ever concussion, and he said that's one of the the difficulties for him was he's never felt uh, the way he felt. He's never had concussion system symptoms before. Um, yeah. And uh, so he didn't quite know how to react to it. Uh, but that's where the, 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 the Canadians medical training staff, coaching staff have to step in. They know about concussions. Uh, they know how uh, players react and, and uh, they have to guide a player through that. We forget that, that, Paling's uh, resume, you know, I, I heard somebody say that, you know, Paling hasn't played much um, this fall, and we forget, yeah, <laughs> or at least some forget that um, his uh, the evaluation for Paling started in rookie camp, and and uh, he played, uh, you know, uh, several games, a couple of games there, and and uh, uh, played extremely well. Has played uh, in the games that he's played uh, so far in. Uh, main training camp he's looked very very good um so uh you know he'll be in uh tonight and i i hope he's just not he's not feeling like he has something to prove it seems that that nick suzuki has done all he's needed to do to pass the test and and uh i just hope that that paling plays his game and too much put himself in position where he's uh, going to exacerbate any of those uh, uh, symptoms that he's already feeling um, regarding a concussion. And before we got the answers to those two questions, I was going to say that neither of them should play tonight because there isn't that much to gain from doing it. I understand 
that Carey Price might be, uh, you know, it might be best to get him in rhythm again and, and in, into the net. And I understand that. That's that's a valid argument. But at the same time, it, it's Carey Price. You know what you have in Carey Price. You're not going to learn anything else about him by having him go in there again tonight if he doesn't really need to. And looking at Carey Price's resume, he doesn't need to. And also due to the fact that there is the, the you know, the swelling on that hand, it doesn't seem like it's going to be something that is a, is a long-term thing, but you'd still like to take your time with that and, and allow it to, to heal properly so it doesn't come back again. And then for Ryan Paling, I, I agree with you. I think that this needed to be a, a little bit slower. And, you know, I, I'm not the, you know, um, with concussions, it's always hard to say. But I would have liked them to take their time a little bit more and maybe not play him tonight because Ryan Paling, you saw the move that he made on Aaron Eckblad. He is a guy that is NHL ready. Um, whether or not him not playing tonight would have meant going down to Laval for a conditioning stint or just going down there for the time being. I would have been okay with either of those things. Um, it's obviously not ideal, but uh, but as we're going to discuss, there just seems to be a bit of a, of a numbers crunch where there might need to be a guy that goes down that maybe shouldn't be going down. And um, for Ryan Paling tonight, especially coming off of that concussion, I would have been a little bit more tentative about putting him back in the lineup that quickly. But uh, as I said, when we discussed his injury last week, uh, Claude Julian has, has dealt with more guys with concussions than I have. And I will say that perhaps he, he may know and his training staff may know a little bit more than I do at this juncture, but I still think there's not much to gain from putting him in this situation tonight. And, uh, and I think that he's done everything that he needs to do to show that he is ready for the NHL. And, um, you know, regardless of what road he might need to take, I think that he's shown that he is a uh, NHL talent. And, and I think that that might be a, you know, maybe something that the Canadians uh, come to regret if something happens tonight, but that is worst case scenario. So looking at the lineup for tonight and, and it's pretty close, I would say to, uh, uh, and, and uh, Claude Julian said as much that they wanted to have as close to an opening night lineup as, as possible. Yeah. Um, and from the back end out, the most important position I, I'm speaking as <laughs> with bias as yeah. <laughs> the former goaltender, uh, you have uh, Price and Kincaid. I don't think there's any uh, uh, surprise there. Um, on the defense, um, Weber Meta, uh, you're going to, I guess, uh, we'll see what happens with that that by committee approach. Uh, second pairing with Sherratt uh, and Petrie. Third pairing with Kulak and Fleury. Um, mm -hmm. we won't see Folan tonight. We won't see Riley, uh, on the back end, uh, top line of Tatar, Dano Gallagher. That was the top line, uh, for most of the season last year. Looks like that will be again, when the season opens, um, Arteri Lekkonen and Max Domi have had amazing chemistry in this, um, uh, camp and, and, and we're really good at, at the end of the season last year together. Um, Arturi Lekkonen has been one of the most impressive players in camp who is not a rookie. Um, and, uh, he finds himself with, uh, with Domi and Suzuki, uh, uh, nice to see, uh, Suzuki up there in the second line. 
Uh, Kakanyemi is between um, Wheel and Byron. Uh, Byron uh, coming back from uh, an upper body injury as well. Uh, yeah. And then on the fourth line, paling between Armia and uh, Nick Cousins, that that agitator uh, that he is, and and uh, <laughs> that'll be interesting to see as well. Thompson, who's had a decent camp, Nate Thompson, um, he uh, won't play tonight. Uh, Houdon yeah. is the other one off the list. Yeah, and uh, and as I mentioned, Jonathan Drouin also uh, not playing tonight, so uh, that that's a little bit interesting. Um, so. I guess the next question is who do you remain the guys remaining right now? There still needs to be a a few more guys that get sent down. Um, Who are your guys that you would, you would imagine are going to be sent down or you would like to see sent down? Yeah. Well, I, I would just say that um, my three cuts uh, would be uh, Houdon, Riley and Lindgren. Um, Houdon, Charles Houdon, I have a lot of uh, time for. Uh, He's always been very good to us. I think Charles Houdon worked very hard. Uh, He worked very hard in the summer, uh, dropping eight pounds. Uh, He's worked very hard in camp, um, but he just is having trouble getting it done. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, I I don't see a fit for him on this team. And I, I sure hope that uh, a trade is arranged or uh, someone picks him up and he is given a, an opportunity elsewhere. Uh, Mike Riley has, has uh, delivered nothing in training camp. Mm-hmm. He's uh, lo- looked uh, one of the worst defensemen. And um, I, 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 I think it's time to, um, you know, admit that, 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 that's a failed experiment and, and uh, Mike Riley is, is not the one Charlie Lindgren has looked very good in, in camp in, in, in his starts. Uh, but again, I think the, the dies cast that uh, uh, Keith Kincaid is going to be the, the backup. And so um, Charlie, unfortunately there's no space for uh, Charlie Lindgren. I believe that Mike Riley should be a guy that is cut. And when I say that it's, it's my, it was mind boggling when the Canadians re-signed him to a two-year deal and it, he hasn't done anything to change that, uh, that mindset from me. And when I look at the way that he played alongside Christian Follen in that game against Toronto at Scotiabank arena, to me, that was an awful performance. And I understand that he is, projecting to be a seventh defenseman, not somebody that's going to be in the lineup every night. But if we're going to have that conversation, then it's Christian Folan for me. He's the guy that I keep because he's the guy that you can get by with because we saw it last year when he was playing on the third pair, mostly every night, he was the guy that you could get by with. You could get by with playing Christian Folan if you needed to. Mike Riley, on the other hand, he's a little bit more erratic. He doesn't really he's not really solid. He can provide you a little bit of puck movement, a little bit more foot speed, but is that really, I mean, at the price that you're paying him, is that really what you want out of a guy like Mike Riley? Uh, To me, I just, I don't see the value in having him around and I would have preferred to have Carl Alsner stick around. I think that he would have been a, uh, a better option than, than having uh, Mike Riley. So beyond that, I also believe that Charles Houdon should be sent down because Charles Houdon, he has struggled uh, immensely. Um, 
And it's a little bit frustrating because, you know, I, I covered Charles O'Donnell when he played for the St. John's Icecaps, but it just hasn't translated. It always seems as though he's about a half second behind the play in the NHL, whereas in the AHL, he was, you know, right on time. He was where he needed to be, and maybe that's the difference. Maybe that is the difference between playing in the AHL and playing in the NHL. And Charles Houdon just simply has not gotten up to the speed that he needs to be at uh, to be an NHL player and a successful one at that. In my initial, before we knew that Carey Price would be starting, I would have said that they should probably start Charlie Lindgren tonight as a way to try to bump up his trade value and, uh, and maybe not lose him for nothing if you have to put him through waivers. Um, so that would leave me with one more guy, and I think that that would be Ryan Paling for me. Because at this point, I understand, I, I said that he is an NHL talent, but it looks like there's going to be a numbers crunch just because the Canadians have gotten so many guys. They still have, I mean, Paul Byron is a guy that, uh, you know, Nick Cousins, they went out and signed this summer. They've got a lot of forwards in the, you know, in the top nine and, and the fourth line. So it doesn't feel like they're, uh, Nate Thompson's another one, Jordan Wheel, they, the list goes on. So to me, I think that the best thing that you can do is hope that one of them gets off to a really good start and then just trade them to clear the way for Ryan Paling because Ryan Paling should be on this team. And, you know, I think that that was something that they didn't really account for this summer. And it should have been something they accounted for because, I mean, they brought back all of these guys. They brought in Nick Cousins. And I have nothing against any of the guys that they brought back or the guys that they brought in. But you have to have the door open for your young guys, especially if you're going to talk about it the way that they've been talking about it. So the fact that Ryan Paling, I believe, should start in Laval doesn't say anything about him. It says everything about the organization that, quite frankly, they were not prepared to have Nick Suzuki and Ryan Paling both prepared to play. I think Paling was the guy for me early that I thought was going to be a little bit more prepared. But now that Nick Suzuki has shown up and looked the way that he has, you're not going to send him down. And Paling's the guy that unfortunately had that concussion in that game against Florida and, and needs to perhaps get his legs back under him. We'll see. We'll get a better view of it tonight. But I mean, I think that this is the best course of action at this moment in time. It's difficult uh, to, you know, yeah. there, there is that co- coaching philosophy. You should never lose your um, position, uh, a position that you earned due to injury. Um, but, uh, and, and I, I guess I would not want to see um, uh, Ryan Paling go to um, um, Laval and, and again, be, be forced to play a game that, uh, be forced to prove, feel that he has to prove yeah. something to get back uh, because that's when injuries uh, happen. And particularly with concussions, the, the, the nonlinear nation, uh, nature of them, um, it's, uh, you wouldn't want to risk such a valuable prospect. No, absolutely not. So we'll see, that, we'll see what he has to, to offer tonight in, in the final preseason game for the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about Ryan Paling and the youth movement as a whole in the next segment. So we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, it was two weeks ago, we asked a long list of questions of what was going to be the most pressing issue for the Montreal Canadiens or issues, plural, for the Montreal Canadiens this season. So we've gotten a few more, you know, a, a couple of indications as to what those, uh, those answers might be. So we're going to discuss it a little bit when we come back. 
So stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. So, we were discussing Ryan Paling uh, at the uh, end of last segment and, and what to do with him. And, and tonight's game against the Ottawa Senators, the final preseason game, uh, his last audition, along with uh, Nick Suzuki and, and Kale Fleury, who have also looked fantastic in the preseason so a couple of weeks ago in the in episode 49 was the brian savage edition of the canadians connection podcast we asked a a long list of questions and we didn't know the answers to them at that point and it might be a long time before we get the answers to most of them but for some of them we've gotten some hints a little some cues as to what the canadians might be thinking and with respect to three questions that we asked last or a couple of episodes ago now, we asked about the prospect pool, the youth movement, the philosophy and strategy heading into this season. So there are three guys right now, Ryan Paling, Nick Suzuki, and Kale Flurry, who might be able to answer all three of those questions because I mean with with them being included and, and getting this long a look does that suggest that the Canadians are, are serious about this youth movement and, and are actually going to give them uh, opportunities to show that they are NHL caliber players and, and may displace some guys uh, on that were on this roster the last couple of years? 
It's, um, you know, and, and, and when we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, it was, um, and, and these were the, the, the 12 most pressing questions or concerns about the, the Canadians uh, that uh, we had developed and we had heard from, um, from you, the, the listeners out there. Um, and as you said, in going in, uh, coming out the last segment, uh, you said that the Canadians didn't seem to account for the fact that yeah. uh, the, the, the young players would do so well. And I guess if you, if you sit in isolation and, th- and think about, is it possible that three of the roster spots on the Montreal Canadiens go to rookies? Um, that's kind of difficult to get your head around. Yeah. Um, but we heard, um, you know, when there was the discussion about um, Andre Markov and, and whether he would be uh, coming uh, a person to bring back uh, Mark Bergevin squashed that he squashed it pretty quick and hard and said, no, uh, we need to protect uh, places in the roster for our young players. Um, and, and, and we're, we're going to focus on them. So it seems kind of contradictory. Um, so when, when you have Ryan Paling, um, who looks the most NHL ready of them all, uh, Nick Suzuki, who has been dynamic and, and, um, has answered all the questions, whether it's, whether it's, uh, can he play on the top line? Can he play on the wing? Can he, um, you know, play defense, uh, play a defensive game. Uh, we saw him on the, on the penalty kill. Um, he's answered all those questions and Kale Fleury, who maybe in, in the most quiet of ways, um, has played solid, played a mature game, seemed poised. Um, I don't see how given Mark Bergevin's words, um, how they can keep three, these three, um, players, rookies, rookies or not, um, out of the lineup. They've all performed exceptionally well. Uh, and the Montreal Canadiens will be a better club with those players, uh, on the roster. Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, listen, I think the guy that is really, um, taken the organization by surprise and in some ways is, is Kale Fleury. I don't think anyone was expecting this at this point. I mean, maybe another year, but uh, maybe if, you know, he came back next season and looked like this, this, this would be a, maybe the trajectory that you would expect. But, but Kale Fleury has just looked so solid. And I don't think anyone really saw this coming at, at this point. This seems like a very uh, uh, rapid, uh, you know, sort of, improvement from a guy that maybe wasn't expected to be here. And maybe that's where, uh, maybe that's where the Canadians were a little bit more. um, I I would have given them a pass on the defensive side of things, maybe not to go and re-sign Mike Riley, as I was discussing to a two-year contract, but I was a little bit more lenient on the fact that, yeah, okay, you can go and and sign some defensemen because maybe Fleury and Brooke will need a little bit more time. But Flurry's really forced their hands with the way that he's played because he looks NHL ready and he looks solid on that third pair. And, you know, without Noah Juleson uh, for however long that is going to be, uh, Kale Flurry has been remarkable. And there's no way that you can send him down. And the, the really the only impediment for Nick Suzuki or Ryan Paling, and as I said, I think that Paling might be the guy that, that succumbs to this is the fact that there's this glut of forwards that really they, they probably should have, 
imagine that those two guys would be in the picture for play for um, for you know a roster spot. You know, Flurry is a little bit more understandable that they didn't see that coming. But Ryan Paling scored four goals in his last game. Nick Suzuki is just a tremendous talent. To you know, um, I, I was worried that maybe the defensive game might be a, a little bit of a, of, a, of a step up for him, that he might not be prepared for that challenge, but he's answered all of those questions, as you said. So really, they should all be there, but I, I just I don't see it for all three of them. It's, it's a tough thing to imagine the Canadians doing, uh, even, even, even though they did say that the youth movement and, and making, making sure that they had enough spots to carry all these guys was important to them. I, I just I can't see it. One thing that uh, Mark Bergevin said uh, this week when he was asked is um, nobody's ever said that uh, a player spent too much time in the AHL. And we've heard that before. Um, and I will tell you, um, given, given my experience and, and certainly talking to scouts, that's a myth. That's an <laughs> absolute myth. Uh, there, there are some very good reasons to spend time in the AHL, uh, and and it's a it's a great league, and we cover it thoroughly, and perhaps because we cover it so thoroughly, we know that that's a myth. Um, you have to transition the players at the right time. It involves uh, the kind of play that's that's played at the the uh, AHL level, uh, which is slower. You have to make decision slower and staying there and, and losing that edge to make, make uh, quicker decisions uh, with the puck can be an issue for some players. Uh, also, it has to do with motivation um, is if you, if you're, you're seeing that, that you're um, outplaying uh, the people around you, yet you're constantly sent to, the AHL uh, that deals with motivation and, and motivating a player is, is a big part of an organization and doing that transition perfectly. Uh, and the Canadians haven't been very good at that. They've really struggled with the, the transition part. Um, and, and so I, I, I just want to, I'm not, I, I'm not saying with respect to Ryan Paling who hasn't played a game in the AHL that that time in the AHL would be, uh, bad for him. I'm just saying I, 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 I don't like that arbitrary, arbitrary quote, which doesn't apply in some cases. Uh, but you're right yeah. about um, Kale Fleury that, um, um, you know, he, he is playing an, an NHL game. And you mentioned it in the first uh, segment. It's no coincidence that he spent last season uh, playing for the most part with an NHL defenseman. And a lot of that has rubbed off on the way his game has developed. Absolutely. And, and it remains to be seen. I mean, like, like I think that there is uh, an opportunity that the Canadians could potentially trade a forward to make room at some point. I don't know when that will be, but I, th- that should be a consideration given the fact that they have so many forwards and, and Ryan Paling should be on that team. Nick Suzuki should be on that team. And, and obviously I think that Kale Fleury, should certainly be on that team with the way that he's played. And, and, you know, obviously the Canadians defense needs some more guys like K.O. Fleury. <laughs> so another thing that the Canadians need is a power play. And it has had its moments, but more often than not, it hasn't been that good. So it's moments, 
were all in one game against the Ottawa Senators last <laughs> week, where they went three for three and had a perfect night on the power play. Uh, the others, the other games have uh, not been so good. So overall, the Canadians are three for 17 on the power play. And that sounds a lot like last year, which you really hope isn't a sign of things to come. <laughs> It, it it is, and and I think with respect to special teams, um, we were kind of looking at, um, you know, can can the Canadian special teams uh, be top fifteen? That's 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 not, you know, that's not top five. That's kind of middle of the road for both the power play and and yeah. the penalty kill. The penalty kill was pretty good last year. Yeah, um, it has not been good uh, in the. Uh, well, it's been up and down in the uh, preseason as well. They gave up a power play goal in each of the first three preseason games. Um, as you said, the power play, um, uh, all the success came in one game, and, and otherwise it has not looked terribly good. Um, and I think it's, uh, you know, but part of it can be, can be, um, explained by the 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 personnel you know there's different personnel in in each night but that's not that's not the only uh explanation the canadians need uh as claude julian said uh to be better down low i've heard some people and on social media say oh shea weber's the problem on on the power play we need to get Shea Weber off the power play or move him in front of the net. And I was like, <laughs> why would you take away the biggest weapon, the weapon that, that, that teams fear most, uh, even if it's a decoy, um, yeah. you, you don't do that. Shea Weber is not the problem on the power play. The power play has problems setting up Shea Weber. The pro- power play has uh, problems with other shooting options. The power play has yeah. <laughs> problems with down low, puck retrieval, uh, creating uh, uh, traffic in front of the net, and the power play finally has problems with face-offs. And the face-offs have been an issue because you lose the face-off. You don't get to set up in front of the – set up your power play. The puck goes to the other end, and you're having to bring it all the way back and losing time. Uh, So those are the issues with the power play, and uh, those have to be fixed before the Canadians can have a top 15 uh, power play. Yeah. And I mean, that would be the big one. I would think, I think that the penalty kill is probably going to round into form at some point. I think that there are too many guys that are, you know, capable two way players on this team um, to, to allow that to continue to be an issue. And, and perhaps it is the, the personnel for, for the penalty kill, uh, the power play. I could see being something that goes a little bit longer than just a couple of weeks into the season. And you would certainly hope that, they figure something out. And, and as you said, it's, it's not Shea Weber. It is certainly not Shea Weber. The fact that they don't have anyone else to give the puck to, to, you know, take, to draw attention away from Shea Weber, that would be a problem, but it's not on Shea Weber. So another thing that the Canadians are going to need, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, are about 20 starts from Keith Kincaid. 20 to 25 would be a, a good number for Keith Kincaid. And he's played in two, preseason games uh last week against ottawa he had a shutout 27 uh 27 saves on 27 shots and then against the uh toronto maple leafs uh, earlier this week he had 46 saves on 49 shots numbers a little bit 
inflated, perhaps, given that uh, there was a large percentage of shots that came from the point. Um, but Keith Kincaid has looked pretty good. He's had some times where he's been scrambly and, and lost his post. But generally speaking, I think he's been he's been pretty good to this point. And uh, you would hope that he can continue that and, and potentially give the Canadians 20 nights where Carey Price can get some valuable rest. I think that's that's a fair appraisal. I would say he's been reasonably good. Um, yeah. I, I I see some way over the top stuff on <laughs> social media about oh my god he's amazing. Um, he hasn't been. Um, he's uh, looked as good as he's looked bad at times. Um, I I think this is one of those questions where we just don't have enough information. Uh, it's too soon to to say whether he's an upgrade or not. Um, Antiniemi looked pretty good at the end after yeah. uh, uh, um, uh, Stefan Waite had some time to, to uh, correct his mistakes. It's, it's sustaining that. And that's what we want to see from, from Keith Kincaid. And the, and the sample size is just too small. In that, uh, that game against the Sens, uh, there was almost 17 minutes, almost the entirety of the second period, where he went without a shot on goal. Um, in the first 37 minutes, he had nine shots on goal. Um, I don't know how <laughs> that's not going to happen during the season, uh, particularly against the, the teams who are headed to the playoffs as well. Uh, as you mentioned against the Leafs, um, a, a barrage of shots. He had plenty of shots to deal with in that game, but a lot of them uh, for whatever reason from the Leafs came from the left point. They were perimeter shots. Um, yeah. So he has looked, he has looked good, um, but there's uh, Stefan Waits. Uh, you know, there's still some more work to to uh, be done there. He's lost positioning at times. He's been swimming and scrambling at times, and he's giving up way, way too many rebounds. Got to clean that up. Um, yeah. Get him more square to the to the shooters, so he's absorbing those those pucks and 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 swallowing those pucks. Um, so. I, Again, there's there's a question that we just um, we don't know yet. Uh, signs are good, uh, yep. but let's see how that plays out. And you know, if memory serves correctly, uh, last year Antiniemi's first win came against the Penguins in a shootout. So, and we know what kind of year he went on to have. It was one of his first games, one of his first wins at the very least. Uh, so, listen, it's it's it needs to be a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You need to see more out of Keith Kincaid for a longer period of time before you say that, yes, he is definitely an upgrade. He is going to be a guy that can take 20 starts off of Carey Price's shoulders. We just don't know that at this point. So, um, but yeah, a, a pretty good start for Keith Kincaid. Mm-hmm. Um, someone else who has actually had a pretty good start, but uh, unfortunately was, was uh, kind of, uh, slandered a little bit <laughs> I think is the is a correct word to use in this uh, in this context was it's very cut Kaniemi who yes if you look at the box score other than penalty minutes hasn't done a whole lot but that is simply looking at a box score that's not looking at the game for additional context if you look at the game then yes very cut Kaniemi is looking like a guy who's put on about 10 pounds of muscle and is getting used to having 10 more pounds of muscle. And yes, maybe he could do a little bit more offensively, but the two-way game has been there. And uh, according to uh, Mike Kelly, he leads the team in zone exits and zone entries. So he's doing things right. It just seems like 
he's not completely adjusted, at least as far as I can see. He's um, it's a good point by Mike Kelly, and and um, he's carrying the puck well, uh, as you say, yeah. with uh, zone exit and zone a- entries. Uh, he's forechecking extremely well. He's doing good things away from the puck, um, and his puck retrieval has been good. He's he's been saddled with. Uh, Maybe not the best line mates, and, and uh, <laughs> so so the points haven't been there. Uh, but I think that the 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 spotlight, the criticism uh, for Jesperi Kotkaniemi has been um, tied to Jonathan Drouin. I, I mean, whenever uh, you know there's 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 a little darling of the of, of the media who's in trouble, they always try to rope somebody else in and say, uh, <laughs> "Look, he's not producing either," and and that that happened. We remember that um, uh, Jonathan Duran had trouble uh, at the end of, of last season, and uh, all of the criticism was aimed, oddly, at Joel Armia and Arturi Lekkonen. Uh, so I think yeah. I think uh, Jesperi um, uh, Kotkaniemi is getting a bit of the, the David DeHarnay, Lars Eller kind of treatment. Um, uh, from the from the media, I, I, I'm I'm not worried about Kakinyemi. Um, like I say, he's doing so many good things uh, out there that uh, don't appear on the score sheet that uh, I'm not worried yeah. about him. So you mentioned the media darling. So let's just address the elephant in the room. That is Jonathan Drouin, and you know it. Uh, he has not looked particularly good. And so much so that there has been some trade speculation that his, his name might be out there, according to Eric Engels. Um, so that led Mark Bergevin to say that he isn't the only one not up to par right now before dismissing the uh, trade rumors. So is that not the, but is that not the issue, though, the fact that, OK, yeah, you admit that Jonathan Drouin isn't the only problem right now or isn't the only one up to par right now. We can see that. We know that. Is the problem not that Jonathan Drouin is constantly in the mix for being uh, the one that isn't up to par, to being the problem, to being somebody that isn't performing up to par? That's the issue, is it not? It's, um, yeah, and maybe it's not a surprise that, you know, certain members of the media, and, and in this case, uh, Mark Bergevin, they kind of circle the wagons uh, um, around Jonathan Duran. Um, and yeah. uh, Mark Bergevin, you understand why he's so defensive. You understand why Claude Julien's so defensive uh, around uh, when, when Jonathan Duran is, is criticized. Um, it, it is one of Mark Bergevin's worst trades, objectively, <laughs> yeah. in, in a hockey sense. It was uh, a terrible trade, uh, giving up a blue-chip prospect in um, Sergachev, Mikhail Sergachev, for Jonathan Duran. Um, and it, it created this enormous hole on the left side of the defense that uh, Mark Bergeron hasn't been able to fill. So it's, it's constantly a reminder of, of how bad that trade was. And I don't think, I, I, okay, there's some, some, some Duran cheerleaders out there that may not agree, but I, I think objectively um, uh, most would, would agree that that was just a, an ill-timed trade, and it was kind of the the trade where 
um, Mark Bergevin was trying to, um, you know, his, his prime objective, as we've mentioned before, was to bring in a number one center to this team. And they were going to bring in um, uh, Jonathan Drouin. They were going to convert him to center. And he was going to be uh, the great hope of the, the, the franchise hope, the, the player that, um, you know, the, the whole province could get behind a homegrown player uh, and uh, be that dazzling talent. And uh, it's been a colossal flop. Um, and, and listen, I know the first thing we hear, you know, when you look at last season is, is uh, well, um, you know, he, he tied up a personal high um, <laughs> in points. Um, well, he tied a personal high in points that he set in the 2016, 17 season when he was 21 years old. Shouldn't a player who was taken first round third overall be getting better each year? Shouldn't he be in his prime? Shouldn't he be? Yeah. Uh, and, and it hasn't worked out. It's not because he's, he's a young player. He's been in the league five years, 322 games played. Uh, he's been a perennial underachiever. Um, the the personal highs are meaningless. Let, let me give you a, let me give you a stat. Um, Victor Meta tied his personal high in goals last season. Tied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, zero. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but you check his goals. Uh, you know, eighteen goals last season. Uh, three power play goals. Um, I look back to a, a, a scouting report done on Jonathan Drouin in 2012. And it was how fantastic he was on the power play in junior. That hasn't translated. That's got to be one of the reasons that the Canadians power play has struggled. Uh, we know that he disappeared for a third of the season, not, not a five game slump, not a, he disappeared for a third of the season. He, and even when he was on, he disappeared against the better teams in the league, the teams yeah. that the Canadians were competing against um, for the playoffs. It's, it's, it's scary how much of a free pass this player has been given. Uh, there's excuses. You know, we've listed the excuses. Oh, well, he was playing at center. That's a new position. Oh, well, he was now it's <laughs> this year. It's, it's uh, the right wing, and, and he's not used to that, even though his, his former junior coach said that would be the best place to get the best out of him. Um, oh, he's trying too hard. That's nonsense. The expectations are too high. He's a first-round pick, third overall. Um, it's between his ears. Uh, no, it isn't. Uh, it's a lack of heart. It's a lack of desire. It's a lack of work ethic and no character. That's something that... Um, you know, there was an interesting story that came out this week and it was talking about Jonathan Drouin in his youth that uh, loved, loved boot hockey, just loved boot hockey. He loved to score goals. Uh, and in boot hockey, his dad said he, all he did was stand in front of the net and wait for the puck to come to him. <laughs> um, he didn't like to work hard at that age. And, and his dad had to take him and physically put the skates on him and put him on the ice and keep him out there. Cause his dad rightly said, you got to learn to skate. Um, so, you know, he was, a, he was late to hockey. He didn't join uh, uh, organized hockey until he was eight years old. And, and, but he liked to shoot and score. He didn't want to work for the puck. And, you know, over the summer, um, 
Well, even last year when he was when he was uh, having trouble, he, he went to the video room and he was looking at his highlights of his successful junior career and looking all the the goals he scored there. And this summer we heard that he was in a similar way looking at video, although that included some NHL video too. And it, it seems that he's longing, he's pining away, um, you know, for those those days when maybe, maybe not even junior, maybe those, maybe he's pining away for those boot hockey days when, (laughs) when you didn't have to work very hard, you just stood in front of the net. The the thing that bothers me most, I think, although there's many things um, is he was snarly to the media on Friday. He was downright rude to the media and said, you know, nobody needs to put pressure on me. Mark Bergeron doesn't need to, Julian doesn't need to, and here's the line. I've had a good camp and things are moving in the right direction. Wow. This is a player that just doesn't get it. He doesn't have any self-awareness <laughs> whatsoever. Jonathan Drouin, by any objective measure, measure, has had a dreadful camp. You look at that stat from Eric Ingles. In four games, he's played a lot more than a lot of players. In four games, he has not generated one scoring chance. So there's a lot of people out there that say, oh, listen, um, why, don't we, why don't we just leave him alone? Just leave him alone. Why does he have to play defense? Why can't he be Phil Kessel? Oh, well, he's not generating scoring chances either. We remember three goals on the power play last year. Um, he's not playing defense. He's not doing what was promised on the power play. Um, he's not doing what, what he was, what he was asked, what, what, what he was billed to do offensively. His, we look at the last year, his, his possession numbers are bad, uh, for, yeah. a for, a, a team that was very good five on five, he's, and I know plus minus isn't the best statistic, but when you look in a general way, he's the only minus of the regular forwards. If we look a little deeper and we look at his goals uh, for, for, uh, per 60, he's right in between Folan and Riley. This is Jonathan Drouin. He's near the bottom yeah. for the regular forwards. When we look at his goals against per 60, worst amongst the forwards. I, I just, um, you know, he wants to be compared to the elite. He wants to be the top line uh, forward. He wants to have all of these accolades. And last year he was 99th in the NHL in points. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. It's, it's put up or shut up time for Jonathan Drouin. And I, and I mean that because I, when we ask if, is he going to fulfill his potential in the question of the week, you know, is he with five years played with 322 games played, it, it's time for him to put up or shut up. And at this point, that's got to be 60-plus points, 60 to 65. And I would say 65-plus ideally because I think that Montreal will need that from him if they're going to be a playoff team. And, and you mentioned all the reasons why that probably won't happen. And you know what? I, I really don't – at this point, I know that Jonathan Drouin is not going to be a defensive stalwart or anything close to that. I just want him, as you said, Eric Engels pointed out that he has not created – uh, you know, a, uh, a an offensive opportunity, a scoring chance in this in the preseason. He hasn't. He needs to start doing that. And if he's going to be a part of this team for the long haul, as it seems like he will be, 
because Mark Bergevin just dismissed the trade rumors outright, then I think that he needs to have 60 to 65 points. And if Montreal is going to make the playoffs, I think he needs to have more than that. But he needs to put up some decent numbers this year because all the talk about him matching a career high last year, yeah, he was on pace to set a new career high for how long? How long was it that he was supposed to be? That, that was the argument for most of last year. Well, you can't really say that about Jonathan Drouin. He's about to set a career high in points. No, he didn't. He barely matched it. He just barely, by the skin of his teeth, was able to match it. So for me right now, Jonathan Drouin, this is his time. He needs to put up those numbers or you face a larger question at the end of, of this coming season. Whatever happens this season. After, if Jonathan Drouin has another year of 50 points or whatever it might be, if it's anything less than, than 60 where you see a noticeable jump and, and ideally a little bit of a more competitive uh, drive against those better teams, then it, it's time to get rid of him because you don't want to get into that point where in the last two years of his deal, he's got a limited or a modified no movement clause, even though it's just the three teams. If he doesn't show that he doesn't have it, if he's not this offensive talented guy, then, you know, that might make all the difference. That might be the only team that's interested. Those might be the only team that are, that are really interested in having him that he says no to. So, listen, I think that it's, it's time for him to show that he is an offensive talent, and, and I think that this could be his last chance. So the, diff- the difficulty is that, um, you know, I, and I've heard a lot of people compare him to, say, Alex Kovalev. We haven't seen anywhere near the talent, um, uh, the offensive uh, production uh, that an Alex Kovalev had. And, and so, you know, to answer that question, what is his best comparable? And you mentioned uh, 322 NHL games. In 322 NHL games, Jonathan Druin has 194 points. Um, I looked at the first 328 games, so six more games, um, of, a, of a player that maybe uh, is a better comparable for Jonathan Duran. And in those 300 and first 328 games, this player had 197 points. <laughs> so three more points. So that's pretty close. Um, yeah. uh, 322 games, 194 points. This other player has 328 games, 197 points. Those are almost identical, eerily so. Yeah. That other player... Alexander Degg, and we know how that turned out, and we know how Alexander Degg is is um, thought of. Um, yeah, I, I we know that Alexander Degg had all the talent in the world, but had uh, no heart, no work ethic, um, uh, didn't no little character, and didn't seem to work want to work very hard. And those are the same, didn't play defense either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, those are the same kinds of things that Jonathan Duran has, has objectively been, been um, uh, exhibiting. And, and the stats are eerily sim- similar. And this business about uh, Mark Bergevin, um, you know, uh, what he said was, was silly. It was a, a flippant Mark Bergevin comment. Oh, trade rumors. Those are started by, uh, the only people talking about those are in um, basements in Toronto. Uh, well, there's a lot of scouts <laughs> who live in Toronto, and I'm pretty sure they have basements. There's a lot of good journalists in, in Toronto. They have basements. 
there's a pretty good journalist in in uh, St. John's. Uh, he has a basement. There's some <laughs> in Montreal that have basements. There's a really good one in Philadelphia that has a basement. Um, yeah. I'm telling you that I have heard Jonathan Na- Duran's name is out there. The Canadians have put it out there. I heard it back from scouts. Uh, we know that Elliot Friedman says Jonathan Duran's name is out there. Eric Ingalls has said that. Um, it's not, it, it's not, I know that, that uh, Bergevin, he didn't deny it. He tried to make a joke about it, which means that yeah. his name is out there. Uh, and uh, it's a legitimate, uh, it's legitimate reporting uh, that he is, is, is being shopped. Now the question will be whether, uh, Mark Bergevin will accept Jonathan Drouin's fair value right now um, or whether he's going to need to get the value that uh, will, will justify him trading uh, Mikhail uh, Sergachev in the, in the first place. Um, I, you know, right from the beginning, I, I, I had real hopes for Jonathan Drouin because the Canadians need Jonathan Drouin. The Canadians need yep. a Jonathan Drouin or a substitute. And right from that pers- first game in New Jersey, we saw a very lazy Jonathan Drouin out on the ice with less than two minutes left, protecting a lead, or the Canadians protecting a lead, and Duran was coasting and look, couldn't have looked uh, more disinterested and, and gave New Jersey some, uh, some shots. It's, um, it's, it's sad, uh, but I don't think that this player has the self-awareness that he does to make the improvements he needs to make um, because the Canadians need him, need him or a player like him in so many ways. Yeah, they, they really do. And, and, and he can't deny that. And we're going to turn the question over uh, in the question of the week. Uh, you know, Jonathan Drouin has played five years, 322 games played in the NHL. Will he fulfill his potential this season? So we're going to get to the answers to that question after our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast, so stay with us. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. 
visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast, and we're going to look at some of the answers to the question of the week, which, once again, is Joanne has played five years, 322 games played in the NHL. Will he fulfill his potential this season? And uh, we've gotten some answers here. We have uh, Marc-Andre Bro who says, fulfill? Don't know. But he will have a great season with 67 points. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, that's, that's the optimistic view of things. And like I said, I think that he needs to have that if they're going to make the playoffs this year. Uh, Big Ben saying extremely overrated. And then you have Joe that says, let's concentrate on the positives instead of the only negative on the team. And uh, I agree. I think there are a lot of positives right now for the Montreal Canadiens, but it's hard to ignore the glaring weakness when it is Jonathan Drouin. And you know that he has the skill to provide something that the Montreal Canadiens need. And then we have our own Chris G who says, it's a very important season for Drouin and his career. Hopefully he can put up the points on put points on the board as often as he did in the first 55 games last season. And yeah, that would, that would be ideal. And then hopefully a, a couple sprinkle in a couple more down the stretch to, uh, to help with the playoff, the playoff drive. Uh, what's Facebook saying, Rick? Join us on Facebook. Uh, look for all Habs. You can uh, find uh, more than 40,000 other uh, rabid Canadians fans who are anxious there to give their view um, just search for all Habs. Um, and Dave Juris, Juris, Jursic, sorry, Dave. Dave Jursic <laughs> says, after 300-plus games in the NHL, Duran is what he is. Seems like mm-hmm. a mini Kovalev to, to me. World beater one night, barely passable other nights. Um, all the talent, but none of the desire and hockey sense to be a star. Uh, trade him once his value is higher. Neil Gardner answers Dave and says, I only wish that Duran was in the same realm as Kovalev. I might be able to stomach his poor play a little more. Um, Jason Corville says, uh, Duran has no potential. So yes, he can fulfill that. Uh, it's a, a bit of a pessimistic <laughs> view, uh, yeah. there. Um, uh, Jason Williams says, not a chance. If he doesn't have a good to the start to the season, he should be sent down to the Lavelle with Alsner. Well, um, that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, Maurice Simmons says, five years is long enough to make an impact. I uh, think he'll be get hard to get rid of. Um, and uh, Brian Clark. Brian Clark is our uh, – we, we, we we've mentioned this before. We've uh, been running fantasy sports all Habs fantasy sports for more than 10 years. And, um, and um, Brian does a great job with both our fantasy football and fantasy hockey. Um, and Brian Clark says, I don't see any change in his game coming. You can work on skating. You can work on your shot and other physical elements of the game. But for Duran, char- uh, but character and heart, I believe you either have it or you don't. Sadly, Duran has neither. Yeah. That's that's a fair way of looking at things, given what we given what we we've come to know. 
So, so those are that's, some that's, of the answers. Uh, that's where our, our, our listeners are coming from, and, and uh, that's our re- responses on social media. Remember uh, that you can still respond to us on, on Facebook. You can still respond on Twitter uh, and our uh, Rocket Sports text line uh, anytime, 585 through Rocket. Uh, let us know your, your thoughts. Absolutely. And, uh, well, we've got a, a big day coming up. I mean, I know that Amy Johnson uh, tweeted out earlier that the Laval Rocket getting underway with their preseason action against the Belleville Senators. And, uh, of course, as we mentioned uh, numerous times in the opening two segments, that the Canadians have their final preseason game tonight against uh, the Ottawa Senators. So a pair of games against the Senators. And you can, uh, you can follow the coverage here on All Habs and the AHL Report uh, as the night goes on. So I guess we'll wrap this thing up for another week. And when we come back next week, we'll have regular season hockey to talk about. Isn't that amazing? So uh, we'll be uh, back with you next week at 1 p.m. Eastern. That's 2.30 Newfoundland time. And in the meantime, you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And search for Rocket Sports Radio. Hit that subscribe button on all your favorite podcasting platforms where you can find us. Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, all of those things. You can find us there and, uh, and listen back to some of uh, the episodes over the summer or even back to episode 49 that we were talking about a little bit earlier on in the show. So uh, with all that said, I've been Joseph Whalen. He's been Rick Stevens. And thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.